When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. From Dreisaitl, who got it ahead, and now you've got Kajula looking for the activating nurse. He's got him to win it. There shoots and scores. Darnell Nurse, another big play, and on back-to-back nights he's got. Oh, whenever we have a little Jack Michaels play-by-play. That means Jack Michaels is coming up on the show. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It's 7.06. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Ched, the Oilers captain before Connor McDavid was Andrew Ference. Everybody knew that on the text line. Most of you remembered 15 years ago, it was Jason Smith. Jason Smith wearing the C for the Edmonton Oilers. I had some uh, Sean Horkoff. He didn't get it till 2010. Had some Doug Waite. He had it until the end of the uh, 2001 season. Ha- even had somebody saying it was Craig McTavish. He had it from 92 to 94. Jason Smith, the captain, 15 years ago. So uh, my old buddy Jack Michaels, he does the play-by-play for the Oilers. So he doesn't tweet very much, but he put out a little something on Twitter last night about goats. And, I mean, I thought that's appropriate because Jack and I have talked about ostriches, so why not goats? And then I saw him at the rink this morning, and, Jack, you quickly told me, no, Reed, not those types of goats. Yeah, I didn't expect goat sound effects to also accompany. Do you have Jim Brewer on next? (laughs) No. What was that, Goat Boy? Yes, exactly, from Saturday Night Live. I, that's actually the last. He's kind of fallen off the face of the earth. He did that one uh, pot movie. I can't remember who. I think it was Jim Brewer and uh, was it Dave Chappelle? Oh, God, I don't remember. <laughs> he, he did a pretty bad movie in the late 90s. Might have, it was either Dave Chappelle or Damon Wayans. I can't remember which. Uh, but uh, it was, oh, where's my car? Remember that? Dude, where's my car? Wasn't that it? Jim Brewer? Was he or am I thinking that? of another one? I might be thinking of another one. Yeah, you Anyways, might, I, I, I digress. Yeah, uh, no, that's fine. We often do you that. You threw me with the goat sound effects. I wasn't, I wasn't planning on it. Jim Brewer, I don't know why I remember this, but uh, I was probably, uh, well, I was, uh, you know how sometimes you fall into that pit on YouTube where you just, oh, there's, oh, well, watch this video. Jim Brewer does some impression of... Uh, what's the Brian Johnson, the ACDC lead singer? Oh, really? Yes, he does some. Uh, he does some impression of of him. So is I think it, that's what good? Jim Brewer. He was, was always okay. the guy who looked perpetually stoned. That's what I remember about Jim Brewer. His eyes were always at half mast, <laughs> which is why when he did that stoner movie, it made sense. Yeah, you were like, he's not acting. Yeah, and the other thing I liked 
about Jim Brewers. He he did it pretty good. I liked his Joe Pesci show. I like that too. I oh yeah, was, I vaguely remember that. I thought yeah. that was pretty good too. He had some funny moments. I I think that was a real down era for the writers on Siren Live, uh, and and thus, well, they're in another one right now. You know, Siren Live. It has ebbs and flows. I've hardly watched it this year, to be honest. I know. With you. I, I, it's been I think a couple Kate, years for me. I, for me, I, I'm going to say this. To me, Kate McKinnon's an all-time top five cast member. I think she's outstanding. Uh, I find her... Uh, maybe they're using her too much. I mean, she's in every skit, and I'm... Uh, well, that's always a problem with that show, right? They, yeah, they lean on he, some people uh, like too they much. They latch on to anyone with uh, any degree of talent. I, she has her moments. Uh, she's wearing a little thin with me right now, to be honest with you. Uh, Half-Baked is the movie you're Half talking baked. about. That's yes. what I was thinking of. Okay. Thank you to... Uh, well, one texter. Well, <laughs> I, have, I have 14 listeners. About yeah. 7% of them knew you were talking about half-baked. There you go. There, there you go. go. Okay, uh, the real goat we are talking about, the greatest of all time in the four major pro sports leagues in yeah. North America. Yeah. You just put them out by number. Correct. Uh, here, oh, here's the tweet. It'd be hard to a, come to a consensus in Major League Baseball, but good luck trying to change my mind as far in goats as far as goats in the other three major sports. NHL 99, NBA 23, NFL 12. Well, first of all, Jack, good luck trying to change your mind about anything once you've decided. Well, that's I, I've, true. Fe- I've felt that firsthand on several occasions. <laughs> yes. Well, you've been you've been foolish enough to try, and we're still. Uh, what I what I lament. What I truly lament, Reed, and, and I know it's a sore point with you because you have a different memory of the conversation, <laughs> but I want, I wish our conversation, Riley V. Franklin, was, was tape recorded. I really do because <laughs> I established my CFL all-encompassing knowledge in, in one glorious 10-minute segment, and I, I feel like I don't get enough credit on this or any show in the Edmonton market. Yeah, well, and that'll probably continue. I so. know. I know, and, and I, I resent it deeply. I just want you to know. <laughs> okay, so first of all, we're in Edmonton. I'm guessing most people listening would agree with you. Gretzky's the greatest hockey player of all time. So yeah. I think we can just quickly check that uh, off. NBA, uh, I go with Jordan. I, I mean, you and I are... Uh, yeah, I, someone I don't... actually asked me which 23. Well, how and many... I was like, if you have to ask, Who, then what you other obviously 23s don't know anything about me. What other 23s are there? They were talking about LeBron James. And, and I, I actually engaged in a spirited debate with a number of my followers about LeBron James. And I was like, are you kidding me? I mean, and, and part of it is, first of all, I'd like, to, I'd like to preface this entire segment by anyone who disagrees with me on, on these three is, is actually factually wrong. <laughs> So, so I think we should establish. I mean, I'm not, I'm not putting out. This is not outlandish material. I'm throwing out. I mean, Brady, Jordan, and Gretzky yeah. are, are. I mean, it's almost impossible to argue. Almost impossible. Well, and, and now, and I, I was saying this earlier in now, the show. Gretzky would argue. He'd tell me Gordy Howe. Who? And and, and you know, I would, I would quickly back down. Of course. Who would argue? Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> oh, Gretzky would tell you Gordy no, Howe. Yeah, yeah, Gretzky would argue. Well, no, I, no and, athlete's going to pick I themselves. Would, I would just shut up at that moment. I shouldn't I'm not gonna s- argue with the greatest player of all time. I, I shouldn't say no athlete would not pick themselves because Carl Lewis would probably pick himself as the greatest sprinter of all time. Oh but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think there's a healthy <laughs> amount of athletes. 
athletes who would pick themselves as the greatest athletes. Not a lot of hockey players would pick themselves as the greatest hockey player of all time. We can probably agree with that. I, I will say this, and I've always been, it's Jordan and, you know, Magic and Bird were outstanding. Maybe there's uh, somebody of an older vintage than us who's arguing well, and Wilt, Wilt Chamberlain. I mean, or, Kareem and Wilt are right up there. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about the all-time leading scorer in the history of the NBA and, and Wilt Chamberlain, who averaged 50 points for a season. But again, you know, he was playing against a lot of Reed Wilkins back then. So. <laughs> well, I would have been a tall guy in the NBA back then. Uh, okay, but I do think LeBron... It, like he's pretty close, I, I think. Oh, I mean, wow. I, I used to be one of those guys. Like, no, no, not LeBron. And I've always held the uh, special of going to South Beach against him because I was so put on and self-aggrandizing. But like, LeBron's an awesome basketball player. Like, he's yes. There's, no, I'm not disputing that. So is he? Is he second now? Or no? You, no okay. No. So, I mean, I, I look. He's not. He nor anyone else is really in the conversation. I mean, he's not. They're, they're not. Uh, they're not. I mean, if Jordan doesn't play baseball, we're talking eight straight titles. If his dad doesn't die and Jerry Krause doesn't decide that organizations win championships and not Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, we might be talking ten in a row. We might be talking ten in a row. Because remember, I mean, he was 35. He was 35, Reed. Like... Uh, when he quit, he quit because he was sick of Jerry. I mean, you don't think he could have won at 36 and 37? Oh, sure he could have. Well, that's what I mean. I mean, sure he couldn't have won as a wizard when he took another three years off and, and came back with the worst team. Yeah, and, it, and it was the Wizards. In the yeah. league, yeah, exactly. But, I mean, I, I'm telling you, if he doesn't play, if his dad doesn't die, he doesn't play baseball, and Jerry Krause shuts his mouth, it's 10 in a row. They sweep the 90s. They, they go 91 through 2000. They do. I mean, he, he, Jordan, look, with, L, with LBJ, here's someone actually brought up, well, you know, LBJ is a great defensive player, and what he's done after reaching the age of, of 30 is, is ridiculous. And I pointed out that Michael Jordan won the NBA Defensive Player of the Year award. LeBron James never did. Michael Jackson never averaged less then basically 29 points <laughs> a game. You just said Michael Jackson. That's My, classic. Sorry, Michael Jordan. Never never <laughs> averaged less. Well, Michael Jackson's close to the GOAT as well. I, I didn't think that until I watched This Is It, and that was awesome. And that kind of that kind of reminded me what a performer he was. Greatest live performance I've ever seen was 25th anniversary of Motown, 1983. Look that up on YouTube. And I remember watching that with my dad, and I, I still – all right, but I digress. Back to Jordan. Never averaged less than essentially 29 points a game after turning the age of 30. LeBron hasn't averaged more than 27 points a game since turning 26. I mean, that's, I mean, that's regular season. And then postseason, Jordan, Jordan – I mean, I could rattle off four game winners right now I mean, I, I, that, that are iconic shots in NBA history. I mean, the one that ends his career and the one that beats the Cavs when Doug, uh, Doug Collins is running around the court, those are, those are two easy ones. He also beat the Jazz in game one, I believe, of the 97 finals with a buzzer beater. I mean, I, I could go on and on. LeBron has one play in the postseason. He's got one, and that was the block on Iguodala. It's not an offensive play, but the block on Iguodala in game seven two years ago. Right. 
I mean, he's got one play in the postseason. He's, he's got a lot of disappearing postseason games where he's just ordinary. I mean, when did Michael Jordan score 15 points in a game that mattered? Never. The answer is never. I watched the games. I watched the games. He's the best of all time. No one's close. All right. That's that, uh, that's awesome, Jack. Okay, so 717, Jack Michaels joining us on Inside Sports. You make a good point, though. It's really hard to pick the greatest baseball player of, oh, of, of all time. I mean, because pitching and hitting are, are two such, I mean, they're completely different. The guys don't, I mean, I guess I guess Ruth kind of did both. But you can't for pick a while. anyone before 1947, color barrier. I mean, that, that disqualifies, I mean, you can make an argument that Josh Gibson and Satchel Paige were better ball players than Babe Ruth. We'll never know. Yeah, I mean, good point. You got to throw out everyone before 1947. You got to discount the juice ball era, which kind of overlapped with the steroid era. Well, what about Griffey then? Because he he was hitting over 50 home runs, and I mean, with Griffey, I'm comfortable saying likely not juicing. Right. I mean, Griffey had eight years, then got hurt. There's a lot of guys who had eight. I mean, Dave Winfield had had uh, eight good years. I mean, I, I, baseball is almost impossible. I mean, it, because, again, it's a sport where you've had, you know, Brady Anderson hit 50 home runs. Uh, you, you right. Know, you know, you've never heard of Brady Anderson. You know why I well, know no, that? I have, because but... I've never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair. I get your point. I do remember when he, uh, no, when he hit 50, course, but, but sure, but yeah. You, you get my point. I mean, there's just too many too many variables with, with baseball. I, I, think it's tough to, I think it's tough to build a consensus. You could probably come close to getting, you know, an all-time outfield, infield, and, and have a few arguments here and there. Um, but then how do you decide who's the greater pitcher as opposed to a hitter? I mean, it's two different games, really. That's the other thing is baseball is two different games within a game. So it, it's, it's just awfully, awfully tough in baseball. Wow. Yeah, this was, uh, as usual, a spirited and uh, entertaining discussion. You know, Brady? Some... I mean, do you have any quarrels with Brady? I, no, not anymore. See, I, I, yeah. I'll just summarize what I said earlier. After, you know, the oh, when, when did they win? Oh, four was the third one, and then they still had a good team. And in 05 and 06, I had some buddies saying, Brady's the greatest of all time. And I was like, okay. Too early. Too too, early. And that's what I always say, too yep. early. Like Aikman won right. three and four. And but, I mean, right. now I, you, you can't deny it anymore. And the, I, la- I, the last two or three years, uh, you know, the, the and he needed a little bit of, you know, I mean, the thing is, is his luck kind of evened out. Uh, the two Giants losses were balanced out by the ridiculous, you know, play call that Seattle came, and then and then the luck started to go the. He still got a little unlucky in the championship loss to the Broncos when Peyton was washed up, but they had a great defense. I, you know, I mean, you'll never convince me the Patriots weren't better than the Broncos that day. But bottom line is, is I, I think now he's at a point. And with the game's evolution where it's a quarterback's league, that I think he's passed guys like Jim Brown and Jerry Rice, uh, guys that, that certainly were in the con- – and Joe Montana for that matter. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I, I'd actually have Montana as probably the second-best quarterback of all time. I really of, would. Because of the quarterback thing. See, and, there's cert- and this is, again, where you go into eras, and yeah. again where there are a lot of Reed Wilkins running around on the field late 50s, early 60s. <laughs> You talk to my dad, who can be completely as intractable as me, Reed. Believe it or not, there's two of us out there, which really is scary. But he'll tell you Jim Brown all day long. He'll tell you what. He'll tell you it's not even close that Jim Brown 
I mean, there'll never be another Jim Brown. He might be right if you if you look at Brown's statistics. But again, you know, Jim Brown was six three two thirty. Uh, playing in a league where there were some offensive linemen that were that you know yeah. offensive and defensive alignment that were that were those measurements. Jack, this was a pleasure. I wish we had more time. I will see you at the rink tomorrow. I want you to listen after seven thirty because I have uh, a radio talk show host out of Philadelphia on the show, and I know you love Philadelphia. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right. Well, hey, full credit to the Eagles. You can't take away anything from what they did yesterday. That is Jack Michaels. This is Inside Sports. <laughs> This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. I got to clarify something here. It wasn't just one listener texting in that Jim Brewer was in half-baked. It was also Carrie McCarthy over in our news department. Thank you, Carrie. You're so welcome. You a big Jim Brewer fan or a half-baked fan? She can't, she can't she can't hear how did she hear me the first time <laughs> anyway thank you Carrie for uh, sending in half baked some guests on inside sports and, and and you know what this might be a great thing to snack on if you're half baked some guests on inside sports <laughs> receive gift certificates the northern chicken bringing down home southern food and other tasty treats salivate over the menu at northchickenyeg.com 124th street 107th avenue i picked up some northern chicken for the football yesterday went perfect with the game those guys do a great job now which was the better movie half baked or a good burger i've never i haven't seen either oh really well okay. I've, i would have no, if, not a lot of movies get past me so See, I, lo- I, I would have known what good Jack burger. was talking about. If was amazing. Which one's Good Burger? Good Burger was, uh, who was all in it? But they were running a uh, uh, fast food shop. And was, I can't remember who was Hence in it. Hence being called Good Burger. Yeah. This uh, texter says, uh, I would like to hear your conversation about the greatest CFL player ever. Well, I, I think that's an easy one. It's Doug Flutie. As much as Warren Moon is loved in this city for what he did with the Eskimos. I think the greatest CFL player of all time is Doug Flutie. You just look at what he did with different teams, the numbers he put up. uh, To me, it's him for sure. All right. Peter Shirelli spoke at Rogers Place yesterday, mostly about bringing in Paul Coffey as a uh, skills development coach for the Oilers. He was also asked about his approach to the trade deadline on February 26th. We have a month and a bit, right? Um... And we'll evaluate. We'll, get to, we'll continue to evaluate. The, the, we've got some UFAs that, uh, and we just we're just coming off our pro meetings, and we've we've made some uh, some plans with regard to where the team is now, where it will be at the trade deadline, uh, how it impacts, or how the UFAs will be impacted. So, you know, same old story, Ryan. Where you know we you win a few games, it puts a different light on everything, but we're still. You know we're still a ways out, but um, you know we have uh, we have shown a little bit here in the last few games that I've liked what I've seen. All right, so you still got to wait and see with that, Shirley. Obviously not uh, talking about anything maroon. Latestu Camilleri, unrestricted free agents. We will go to Philadelphia, home of the NFC champions. The party's still going on. We'll update your NHL scoreboard as well. Inside Sports on Chet.
is a Darius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos. And you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right. While I was involved in that raucous interview with Jack Michaels, I, uh, I I guess I missed something in the Buffalo-Calgary game. Thankfully, you're actually paying attention, Kellen. Yeah, it's a good game. 1-1 one, one uh, tie right who, now. Who got in a fight? Mr. Curtis Lazar. Curtis Lazar, former Edmonton Oil King. He, he fought Nathan Beaulieu and uh, give the fight to Lazar. It was a really good uh, round of the old fisticuffs. All right, so 1-1 one, one, Buffalo and Calgary. Halfway through the first period, the Avalanche trying to win their 10th straight. They're up 3-2 on Toronto with six minutes left. Late in the third, Detroit is shutting out New Jersey 3-0. Taylor Hall is missing a couple of games here. Senators and Wild tied 1-1 in the second period. Start of the second period, scoreless Lightning and Blackhawks. Coyotes lead the Islanders 1-0 late in the first. Well, we were talking a little bit about the Patriots with Blake Dermott. They're going to be facing the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Four men on the rush. He throws. He's picked. Patrick Robinson back the other way. Looking for a block. Gets it. Robinson for the touchdown. The Eagles are six for eight on third down. Flea flicker. Falls. Launches. Downfield. Some play-by-play from legendary Fox broadcaster Joe Buck as the Eagles demolish the Vikings in the NFC Championship game. If you've been on the old computer at all today, you've probably been reading about and or watching some of the celebrate uh, celebrating that went on in Philadelphia last night. To discuss that and the Eagles' chances in the Super Bowl, pleased to welcome John Marks to the show. He works for WIP Sports Radio in Philadelphia. John, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? Oh, my honor. I love Edmonton. What's up, guys? <laughs> well, we're 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 doing great. Uh, first of all, I'm glad you love Edmonton. Uh, but I I got to ask you how Philadelphia is today. Was, was anybody really concentrating on work, or did they even get up early enough to work today? <laughs> yeah. So I, I do a, We do a show at a, at the pretty much the big sports bar uh, right by down by the stadiums where all the teams play, Chickies and Pete's, and. Yeah, there was way too many people down at the broadcast today for anybody to have gone to work. So I think productivity was at all, at all for sure, just based on how many people we saw. So, yes, a lot of people focused on the Eagles and not focused on work. You know, and I, I was watching some of the uh, videos from uh, whether it's Philadelphia TV stations or obviously now with phones, anybody can tweet anything out or put it on YouTube or whatever. All, all the all the celebrations, maybe some got a little a little out of hand, but uh, but but just I mean that team. Um, can you just give us a sense, and, and, I, and I know it's a four-sport city plus a strong NCAA presence, but can you just give me a sense of what the Eagles mean relative to the other clubs in town? Yeah, you know, it, it's a great question, and, and here's what I can tell you. And the word mean is is a proper word for it. Yeah, there's Villanova and Temple, and we have the big five in, in basketball, or there's five, really six college teams for, for basketball. We love the Sixers. The Flyers really have a unique and almost separate fan base. And the Phillies, when they're winning, people are always Phillies fans. But pro football in this town with the Eagles means the most to the most people. And it's not even close. And 
when you're in the NFC East and the Giants have multiple Super Bowls and the Redskins have multiple Super Bowls and the Cowboys have multiple Super Bowls, we're like the, the redheaded stepchild. We're the, we're the team that's left out, and you can't have a conversation with anybody without hearing, like, where's your Super Bowl? It's the ultimate trump card. And just to have a chance to taste what it would be like to be a Super Bowl champion with the love and the passion for football here is uh, it's pretty exciting. It is. So would, would you, I mean, Philadelphia has a reputation that, uh, of maybe having a little bit of a chip on its shoulder, and you mentioned the relationship with New York and Washington. Is that fair? Yeah, it is. Um, you know, when you look at any fan base, in, it, let's just talk about the Northeast Corridor here. So you're talking about Boston, New York, and we'll even go D.C. We'll start with D.C. D.C. is kind of a, a transient. Not a lot of people are from the, the D.C. area. So there's not the passion with a lot of the teams. The Redskins are different. Redskins fans are fans that have been there forever from all over that area. New York is a baseball town. Sure, you have Giants and Jets fans, but if you listen to sports radio on WFAN during football season, they're talking about baseball. And Boston is a combination, but again, a baseball town. Philadelphia's a football town, and there's a big-time chip on the shoulder when it comes to we're the little brother. We're not New York. We're not D.C. We're Philly, and it's a blue-collar town, and you know it's a town that's went through a lot of transformation as far as its culture over the last 15 or 20 years. It's an underrated American city as far as I'm concerned. And winning a Super Bowl for this city would mean so much. And when, when the team loses, if the, if the Eagles were to have lost yesterday, do you know what the people would have looked like here today walking around? It would have been zombies. It would have been deep depression. So it's, it's, and we know that life is life and sports is sports, but sports is life here. And it's amazing what a football team can do for the total mood of, of an American city. That's well said. John Marks joining us on Inside Sports. He's with WIP All Sports Radio, flagship station of the Philadelphia Eagles. John, in terms of, of this season, uh, give me a sense of when – you know, you as somebody who covers and talks about the team really started to believe they, they might be able to do something. And, and maybe it was part of your preseason expectations. I don't know. Maybe you were picking them to win the NFC. But when did, when did you start to think, hmm, I wonder? No, I, I definitely did not pick them to win the NFC. I felt like I was bold in saying 10 wins. Right, because if you say nine and seven, it's kind of a cop out. But you go ten and six, you're saying, okay, this team's definitely a playoff team. I thought I was being bold with saying they were going to win the NFC Championship or NFC East Championship. This team wasn't expected to compete like this. Carson Wentz. I think a lot of people thought that he was going to take that next step. No one expected this. No one expected a thirteen to two start. But then you reset expectations, and Carson Wentz is going, and he's MVP type Carson Wentz. But then he gets injured, and then Nick Foles has to be the starter. So the immediate reaction is, well, Nick Foles, well, when your team is as good as this team is with the defense, with the offensive line, with their running game, with their their skill players, with a head coach that in his second year has proved to a lot of people he's one of the better head coaches in the entire NFL, Um, no one expected this. And now that we're here with one game to go and one game away from winning a Super Bowl, you reset your expectations, and it's it's just been 
the, the Eagles, the Eagles in, in the early '90s with Donovan, or the early 2000s with Donovan McNabb, they lost the NFC Championship game in 2001. They lost in 2002 at home. They lost in 2003 at home, and then they finally got over the hump in 2004. But that 2004 season wasn't fun because you had lost all those years before. It was almost hurry up and get me to the Super Bowl. This season, no one expected, and I think we really enjoyed it because it wasn't expected. So, John, I believe the early line here is Patriots by five and a half. I've seen it. might have even been on your Twitter account. I think that's the biggest uh, – the Eagles are the biggest underdog to start the Super Bowl two weeks since uh, since 2008. So they're not getting a lot of respect, I guess, going in against the uh, the perennial power. What are the, what are the next two weeks going to be like, and what do the Eagles have to do to pull off what many people would consider a pretty big upset? Well, you're right, and I I was expecting I was expecting this line, uh, just like Atlanta coming in here. Despite what the Eagles have done, they didn't have Carson Wentz, and Atlanta comes in here as a, as a, a heavy not a heavy favorite, but a favorite, and the Eagles took them down in a tough game. Minnesota comes in here even after the Eagles beat Atlanta. And Minnesota comes in here as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Everybody's talking about their defense. Everybody's talking about Case Keenum and everything else. People almost are saying, you can't win because Nick Foles is your quarterback. And they scored 38 straight points to end the game and beat the Vikings 38-7. to So it's actually it's, it's fitting in perfectly to the, to the disrespect that nationally the Eagles are being shown. Now, the Patriots are – this is the best run probably in NFL history, and Tom Brady's, Tom Brady's the GOAT, and Bill Belichick's the GOAT, and everybody knows that. But this isn't the strongest Patriots team that you've seen. And I almost feel like that they're primed for a loss. Now, listen, they're a great team, and the Eagles are going to have to come out, and they're going to have to, they're going to, have to produce, and they're going to have to play their A game. But they've been playing A games, and what do they have to do to win, you ask? It's a good question. They have to come out, and they have to play their game which is a tough defensive game, their identity's defense. They just got to go out and be the Eagles. And if they go out and, they're, and, they, and they play the way they played the last few weeks, this team can beat the Patriots. There's no doubt in my mind. All right, I got to ask you, you, you host a, a sports talk show, as I do, different time slots, but uh, the, the core of what we do is the same. Uh, I'm in a, a heavy NHL market, given now what the Eagles have done. Are you going to use the word flyers on your show in the next two weeks at all, or, or is it not going to be time? <laughs> <laughs> I had one caller today that called in, and he said the Flyers won yesterday, and I knew it set the tone, and I didn't even know they played. Um yeah, I, I'm not. I can't say I'm the biggest hockey fan. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bandwagon hockey fan. So when they make the playoffs, I jump on, or when they have a game, I jump on. Which has been few and far between. I think it's been 40 some years since the last cup. But uh, I, I wouldn't expect a lot of Flyers talk. And if the Eagles win the Super Bowl, you may not get a lot of Flyers talk season, but they do well. And they don't have the championship legacy recently like Edmonton has back in the 80s. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Donovan McNabb because his nephew, Darnell Nurse, is the Oilers' best defenseman this season. He's having a huge uh, huge year, so nice connection between uh, between our two cities. John, thanks for making time for me. I, I can tell how, what an exciting time it is for you in the city. Enjoy the ride, man. I hope we can do this again. Thank you. It's a pleasure being here, and uh, great to talk to you. Call if you ever need me again. Will do. That is John Marks checking in from Philadelphia with WIP All Sports Radio. They're the flagship uh, flagship station of the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, that city's going crazy. 
as sometimes happens with sporting celebrations, maybe a little excessive. Uh, if you saw some video uh, online from late last night and overnight, a uh, Vikings, a bus full of Vikings fan getting pelted with various objects, some of them beverages, <laughs> just like just people out in the street on top of vehicles. Somebody drove some sort of a, looked like an all-terrain vehicle up the steps of the museum there in, in Philadelphia near the Rocky statue. They are going wild. Just imagine if they win it all. 7.45, Inside Sports on Ched. We'll check your scoreboard. We'll talk a little bit about Paul Coffey joining the Oilers when we get back. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Well, pretty amazing for the Colorado Avalanche. They have now won 10 straight games, 4-2 tonight. The victory in Toronto. Man, that is uh, quite a story. So they go up to 57 points. The Oilers do remain 10 out of a playoff spot. The closer spot is no longer the wild card it's third in the pacific division held down by calgary the flames are currently playing buffalo it's 1-1 with two minutes left in the second period the sabers are here tomorrow for furnace family oilers hockey edmonton's furnace replacement experts call 7804 family or visit furnacefamily.com 5:30 face-off show the game will start at seven was talking about the oilers power play earlier in the show Two for 25 since Christmas, 8%. Red Wings have shut out the Devils, 3-0. Senators and Wild are tied 1-1 after two. Lightning and Chicago, scoreless, second period. And after one, the Coyotes lead the Islanders 1-0. Some other notes here. Mark Savard has retired after 13 seasons. He's now 40. Made the announcement official today. Of course, has not played since the suffering that concussion in January 2011 while with the Bruins. Also played for the Thrashers, Flames, and Rangers. Bruins defenseman Charlie McAvoy had a successful procedure today to treat an abnormal heart rhythm. Back in November after a game, he told team doctors that he was uh, feeling heart palpitations. Bruins say that McAvoy is expected to need about a couple of weeks to recover. Deron Carter back with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. This guy, an outstanding athlete, all-star receiver, contract extension through 2018. 73 catches for just over 1,000 yards, eight touchdowns with the Riders. Remember, he also played a little defense. Had an interception return, 43 yards for a touchdown. That was his first season with Saskatchewan. Uh, i got to tell you, Saskatchewan's going to be good this year. Members of Ryder Nation who are listening in are saying, Thanks, Reed. We are. Fans of the other eight teams just want me to shut up about the Riders being good. But I do think they will be good. The Edmonton Oilers, uh, well, they first sort of announced it on Saturday, made it official yesterday. Paul Coffey joining the team as a skills development coach. Some comments from GM Peter Shirelli and from Coffey himself. It's a position I've been looking at for a while. Um, from 30,000 feet, you look at our prospect pool, we've got a lot of defensemen um, ranging from in the junior leagues, college. we got... Um, three prime prospects in Bakersfield and then we got young defensemen here so that framed the position um, with respect to Paul uh, he's, he's such an accomplished 
person in hockey. Uh, he, I, I really like the way he looks at the game, uh, the intricacies of playing defense. Uh, we had a number of conversations spanning for a while, and um, it, 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 it seemed like a really good fit. He's motivated to doing it. We were motivated to get someone in that position. He'll, uh, he'll work at this level. Uh, he'll work at the minor league level. He'll look at some of our prospects. Uh, uh, he's uh, he's, he's going to give a new, uh, an additional perspective to our group uh, at this level. Um, and he just, he knows his craft well. And he's uh, obviously a very accomplished guy. Well, I got some responsibilities still back in Toronto. I do coach my, uh, my 14-year-old boy. We're going into the playoffs. And... Uh, Going to figure out what next year is going to take me, but probably uh, the way Peter has structured it, um, my sp- schedule should be flexible. You know, I'll come in and get to Bakersfield and work with the team as much as I can. But as I said earlier, I'm only coming in to help and do whatever I can. I'm not here to step on any toes. We've got a real good young group. We saw it last year in the playoffs. And uh, boy, just sitting with uh, with Todd and his staff for the last uh, not even a day. I mean, the knowledge they have is great, and I'm learning a lot. And uh, it's going to be good. But it's funny though, you. You look at the game, and as much as it has changed, it's still the same. There's still hockey players. The guys are playing. The guys that value value uh, a structured opinion and, and some old school mentality. And that's uh, you know the long and the short is you get your guys playing for you. I mean, I know prior to me coming in here, there was talk about all the old Oilers, but for me, uh, this is a collaborative decision by myself and Todd. We're not old Oilers. Um, I, I just look how. And I got to know Paul more in these discussions I've had with him. He, he, he really sees the game in a, in a, in a, in a way that, that I like. Um, it doesn't mean we're changing anything we're doing. He's going to add a voice to it. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of nuances to playing D. There's no, it's no accident that it takes D longer to mature. There's a lot of nuances to the game. And, and, and I feel he brings a level of, of expertise and, and, and insight into the game that'll help our D and how our D play it collectively. And coffee on the ice with the Oilers yesterday and again today. You can get more on that on the Oilers page on 630shed.com. The full uh, media scrums with Shirelli and Coffee are there if you want to take a listen. Eskimos news today. They have signed international running back Corliss Marshall. Played university football at Arkansas and then transferred to Eastern Illinois. Also returns kicks. And, of course, the Eskimos have been without a deadly kick returner for a long time. The Eskimos have also released the following players. Offensive lineman Danny Grew, former first-round draft pick for the Eskimos. They let him go. Remember, he and David Beard out of the U of A were taken in the same year. So David Beard remaining with the Eskimos. Defensive back Couchy Mawamba gets released. couple of guys on the D-line, Marcus Howard, who uh, has missed almost as many games as been able to play over the last five seasons. He uh, is let out of his contract today, as is defensive lineman Philip Hunt. So on the D-line, they still got Willis, Boateng, and Chick on the exterior and the interior D-lineman, Sewell, Bowers, and Cummings, though Cummings going to be a free agent here coming up in February. I thought Bowers had a pretty good year. Sewell's been solid for a while. Uh, Odell Willis is an interesting one. I think still a good player but near the tail end of his career. So I wonder what's going to happen there. I think the Eskimos are going to have to try to find somebody to be a rush end, and uh, obviously they're going to need a Canadian somewhere in there as well. Okay. 
Really appreciate you tuning in tonight. Fun show you heard from John Marks, radio host in Philadelphia. Jack Michaels was on the show. Kevin Radomski from the Oil Kings and Blake Dermott, our Eskimos analyst. Again, the Avalanche have won 10 straight 4-2 win in Toronto tonight. Sabres and Flames now through the first period. They're tied 1-1. Oilers and Sabres tomorrow, 5.30 face-off show here on 6.30, Chad. The game will start at 7. Thanks to Dave Campbell. He's the producer of the show. Kellen Kennedy is your studio producer this evening. Thanks to everybody who texted in as well. Always fun to bring you the show. Talk to you at 5.30 tomorrow. My name is Reed Wilkins. Have a great night. Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.